Support for 100 Watts and a Wire is brought to you by 100wattsandawire.com. To subscribe to the show, simply click the RSS feed found under each episode. That's 100wattsandawire.com. And ICOM. Heard it, worked it, logged it. It is time to get the transceiver that is best suited for your lifestyle. ICOM offers a variety of high-performance and innovative products. See how you can make the most out of contest season with one of their transceivers. And now, from Grid Square Echo Mike 48, this is 100 Watts and a Wire. Show enough. Good day to you. My name is Christian. The call sign is Kilo Zero Sierra Tango Hotel. How you doing? And a friend of mine went to a conference in Philadelphia. And Philadelphia was my home for six years. I spent a great, great six years in Philadelphia and working for WMMR Radio. And she went there and I said, look, I don't know how much time you have, but you could go and visit here and here and here and here. Great food. You got to go to Monk's. If you're in the Philadelphia area, even Maryland or New York listening to this show, if you get to Philadelphia, go to a place called Monk's. Maybe it's called Monk's Cafe. We just called it Monk's because we were local. And it's kind of that local spot. Oh, the veggie burger, the fries. Oh. They also serve adult beverages and everything is delicious. Monk's. Look it up if you're ever in Philadelphia. Not even sure why I brought Philadelphia up, but oh yes, yes, yes. You must learn the phrase, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? You know, it depends. There's a friendly how you doing and there's one not so friendly. Anywho, good to be back with you. We're here for another week. I hope everybody made it back. A lot going on in the country, isn't it? Oh, sure, the politics is always the politics. But look at these things that directly affect us as amateur radio operators and just citizens of our country. We've got wildfires out in California. You know, over 40-some people have died, 100 or more missing. And then on the east side, we've got Puerto Rico. We've still got issues in Houston, although their baseball team is doing quite well against those damn Yankees. But looking at Puerto Rico, and holy cow, what great work. Firefighters, first responders, pilots are dropping water from enormous planes. I wish I knew more about planes to even say a model number, but it doesn't matter to me because I I would just, I wouldn't get it. Big old planes fighting these fires out in California. People are losing everything. Turn to Puerto Rico. These people have lost everything. Drinking water is bad. Electricity is still out over a large percentage of the island. Much credit to all the people who are trying to help out the Red Cross and their volunteers, the amateur radio operators who were sent there doing great work to help facilitate with hospitals and communications. Just excellent work there. 
I think the force of 50 is a, uh, I don't know. It's an interesting way to phrase that. I don't know if that's a marketing thing, a force of 50. Certainly over time, they're going to go back to their lives and their jobs and their homes and their families. And will you always carry 50? These people are getting tired. They must be getting tired. They're working hard. They're switching them in and out. They're moving out. Will they hold it 50? I'm just thinking a force of 50. Now, it sounds more like a movie trailer to me than it does, um, you know, Ham's helping. I, I do hope that the ARRL will take this opportunity to share with everyone, and especially those at the FCC and those people who don't know, market it as what it is, disaster relief. The force of 50 makes it sound like, I don't know, something else to me, but... That's just me. But if that's what you're latching on to and that's how you describe it when you go out there, then their marketing worked. Force of 50 to me sounds a little forced. You know, these are just citizens who are volunteering and working their asses off to get communications. You know, they will be swapped out. They will be downsized. And maybe they'll, it'll be increased. Who knows? It's just a weird thing for me to digest something called a force of 50 has nothing to do with the people themselves they're doing amazing work some of those people are saving lives man you don't even know what they're doing because you know it's not like we're on the inside right there with them but the drinking water getting people to hospital helping people who have burns generators have exploded and caused people you know 30 percent of their body to be burned things like that the stories coming out of there are heroic we don't need to necessarily market everything, is my point. As a force of 50, the force of 50, did they parachute in? So, that piece of it, I'm, I'm not down with that as much as what giving great individuals are giving of their time, their money, and their energy to be there, and their skills that to me is way more more important than the slogan itself. Speaking of slogans, I mean, when all else fails, clearly is more than a slogan, isn't it? I mean, there you go. We hang our hat on as, you know, where is this coming from? See, child, well, look, man. People are saying this great hobby and this service is dying off. And we all go, when all else, oh, oh, and all else fails, you know, that old cell phone... You better, you know, and we always say when all else fails, and that's what we tell the people. It's absolutely true, but you know, if you've listened to this show for any, you know, duration of time, you know that you know we need to market ourselves and position ourselves a little differently overall. You know, we do have our great field day, winter field day. We do all the great things, but. Every story you see that comes out of Field Day is when all else fails, this old technology and these old people can get it up there and do it and all this. And it's always the same narrative. I'd like to break that narrative. And I'm not running for ARRL positions. I'm a paying member of the ARRL. I just happen to have this platform where maybe some of you have already tuned out. Maybe some of you get it. 
It's just my opinion. You can fast forward past all this if you like to, but every news story that comes out of field day, you see it's packaged up. There's always some junior reporter who's sent out there on a Saturday afternoon to talk about the old technology and when all else fails. And, you know, is that working? It's the narrative that they've I've seen the whole time. And then we drool over the packages that are given to us. <gasps> oh, they mentioned ham radio and the old technology and when all else fails because that's the narrative. It's probably time to change the narrative. You know, right now people are working really hard that are amateur radio operators. Forget about what, what's their jobs. What's their jobs back home? Are there families back home? That's the story. Do I have to take a camera in there? Yeah, sure. I've got eight documentaries to my credit. Do I need to go there and actually tell this story? Because I would. And now I'm talking myself into a story that needs to be done. The Force of 50. Nah, man, that's not the story. The story is these people are leaving their homes and their work or cashing out their vacation time to go and help because they're pulled to help. Stop that Force of 50 stuff. You know, there's a deeper story there. A humanitarian story. It runs counter to this other narrative that it's eh, it's not so bad there. It's it's all right. It's not. It's not all right in California either. Look at it starting this show off like this already. I think as a newer ham, not necessarily a young ham, we need to change the narrative of what it is we do. We hang our hat on when all else fails and emergency come. Well, this is disaster communication now. Okay, it's not just emergency, it's disaster. Disaster. I'm very curious to see what comes out of all this because clearly um, it's happening a lot. Maybe it's not new. News cycles just spin right through and spit this stuff out. The tremendous response on the ground in Las Vegas. That story doesn't seem like that's finished either, does it? And it's not just about, oh, change the gun laws. Let's change that. Mm, No, I want to know. There's some questions I have about the whole thing. Some things don't just, you know, there's like some holes there. I'm sure a documentary will come out of that. Before I get off the path a little too far, I do want to thank and pay respect to those who took the time and the energy and brought their skills to Puerto Rico. And if emergency responders are on the ground in California helping, thank you from all of us, our community. This is something above the norm. This is something that their soul has told them to do. Right now, they're trying to move generators closer on the East Coast to try to get them over to the island. Have you seen anything deep inside? Like, I'm not not watching all the news all the time. I read a lot, but I'm not sitting and watching. I don't even know if they're there anymore. Does the, uh, the news share too much or any of this? Yeah, we hear some interviews, we hear something, and then it spins out and we move on to the next deal. Meanwhile, still problems in Houston, you know? Still rebuilding and things happening in Florida from the storms. And Puerto Rico, uh, well, too much of a rant, y'all. 
thanks to those uh, responders, those amateur radio operators who are taking of their time and energy and skills uh, without the hero tag, without the cape and the tights. Don't need that stuff. Focus on, you know, the giving aspect of it, the skills of it, the humanitarian of it. Market it in the right way. And scene. Okay. Thanks to everyone who participated in our 100 watts in a wire fallout. There were a reported 1,167 total contacts made. Not everybody submitted. Not everybody wants to win the prizes. But of those who submitted, that's what we got. 1167. Thank you so much. It's a great weekend. It's a great weekend for me when we talk about some of us who are on the oh, the baby side of this stuff, just getting into the HF, just setting up our radios, just learning about you know emergency response and disaster relief and those who have that interest. And then there's some of us who have that portable interest. We want to set up and learn how to do it and get better and exercise ourselves and our equipment test some things, see what we can do. That's what the fallout is all about. Much like field day, much like the 100 watts in a wire tune-up. Just let's get out there, let's exercise, let's better ourselves, let's get our on-air skills better. And meanwhile, we tie it up with a bow tie of camaraderie. This 100 watts in a wire community gets on the air and we do it. You know, we poke a couple holes in the ozone. I don't know if that's right for the Green Committee. The 100 Watts in a Wire Green Committee will say, hey, you're doing what to the ozone? Oh, we're just path, you know, getting a path up there. And, yep, 1167 of us made contacts. Nothing, nothing wrong here. Nothing to see. Thank you all for that. Fall weather is finally here in Missouri. I am wearing the skull cap. Although Saturday... It was 90 degrees. We'll come back and we'll talk about a little bit more of this weekend. I want to bang this out. i got a couple things to share with you, uh, some things I'm working on, but we've got some updates. Uh, we want to do the Parks on the Air report, and we'll do all this stuff coming up next. Whether you say 7.3 or 73, even 73s, we're still 100 watts and a wire. Ideal for the ham on the go, the IC7300 is a high-performance HF transceiver with a compact design. Don't miss a weak signal with a combination of the waterfall function and real-time spectrum scope. The IC7851 will give you the competitive edge you've been looking for. Raise the bar and hear what others cannot with this HF transceiver. It has reciprocal mixing dynamic range crystal clear LO design, and dual receivers. Can't wait for the IC7610? The IC7600 is still available and at a great price. Following in the footsteps of ICOM's flagship radio, the IC7600 has an intuitive operation and the latest DSP technologies. Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on all ICOM radios. From the summit... To the shack. This is 100 watts and a wire. There's always something going on in amateur radio. This week is the school club roundup. I spent a good part of the afternoon and early portion of the evening listening to young operators take calls 
and work the pileups, and it's just a beautiful thing. Four more days of this, depending on when you're listening, but this week is dedicated to the school club roundup. Congratulations to all of the teachers who can, for one, facilitate radio stations within their schools, these high schools and other schools. If you can get a ham radio program in your school, congratulations. It's so important. Some of the things I, I'm asked a lot now, I don't know why people ask, but they just want their opinion. But, you know, and it's a deeper topic that I'll explore maybe on a different show is how do we get the youth in amateur radio? How do we appeal? How does our club cultivate these new young amateur operators? Things like this really help. I do believe that when they took the shop classes out of school, like high school, remember there was a shop class? Sure, you could go to a vocational high school back when I was a kid, learn how to build stuff and make stuff, but there was also a shop class where you would go and you would spend a semester making things and doing stuff, and that sort of, you know, went away. I think that's part of it. I wish they'd bring that shop class back. Learn how to bend a piece of sheet metal or make a bowl in wood shop or whatever. You know, keep these kids in the mindset of making things with their hands again. And hey, we can build a little crystal radio or we can do this or we can make an antenna. I like it. That's kind of what I would do and where I would go. It's a bigger situation than just me saying that right now but I'd be willing to work on that as we go listen for the school club roundup all week now I mentioned it was 90 degrees on Saturday and of course the annual bonfire just happened to be every other day every other year on this time and this weekend is cold and windy as mama jama this one hey how about 90 degrees today you're like, okay, that's okay, because come Sunday, the real October came to America's heartland. Wind, cold, night and day, just overnight, just like that. And I'm glad. I, I like a true season. I love the seasons. I love living in areas that have the winter, spring, summer, and fall. James Taylor, stifle it. I don't need it. Ah, he's in there. Damn it. See how it works? I like the real seasons. I really just want spring to be spring. So when I break ground in the garden, not the antenna garden, the garden that produces vegetables and fruit, I want that to be true. Sunday, I went to the other garden, walked around the antenna garden because the wind is happening so much, you know, it's blowing these lines around. It's a lot of wire out there, a lot of trees, a lot of leaves beginning to fall. We're nowhere near where we should be. The kids want to jump in a pile of leaves. Well, you know how hard you have to work for these leaves right now? Insert the Polish joke. I'm a Polish guy. How the Polish guy raked the leaves up in the tree. Go ahead, laugh. That joke isn't funny anymore. Anyway, we're waiting for them to turn the fall down so we can jump in the leaf pile and I'll put the leaves on the garden. That's how it works. But I walked around the antenna garden just to check the lines. Everything's still up, although the winds did whip around quite a bit. And I can't say it enough, friends. 
you know, look for some kind of weight to put at the end of your dipole lines on those ropes. You know, if you tie off to a tree and you just make it real tight like a guitar string, you're going to be repairing an awful lot of wire. How do I know? Because I spent the first year of my amateur radio HF career crying a lot because my lines would snap, bling, bling, bling. And finally, I took the advice I was giving months ago, months before this. Put a little weight on there. Let them go up and down. Some people put water. Some people tie a brick to it. But it allows the dipole ends to move, and it will save you a lot of heartache. One of the most important lessons I've learned in amateur radio is put a little weight on the ends, let it move, let it be flexible, because your lines will not go bling, bling when the next trees move. It's as simple as that. I've got a couple things I want to share with you. Also, we talked about the ARRL, and I am a member. I'm a paying member. I'm not a lifetime member. I don't have that much cash to just go ahead and buy the lifetime thing. But I voted in the AWR 2017 director of the Midwest Division, Rod K0DAS and Cecil WB0RIM were the two candidates. Here's the problem, man. I have no clue who these guys are. This just comes to me in the mail, and it's like, hey, man, they come out like a jack in a box. You open up the thing. Bloop, bloop, bloop. Hi, it's Rod. I'm running for the Midwest Division Director. Hi, I'm Cecil. I, too, am running. You know, now I guess I just need to dig in a little deeper, but I really don't know, man. I really don't know. I voted. I have no clue what these guys are, what they do, what they offer. They did send a piece of paper with a paragraph about each, and then I, that's how I'm supposed to decide, I guess. You know, I don't even know the scope of the responsibilities. What do you do? You're going to make things better? What does that mean? I don't know. What does that mean? So I guess this all goes back to me really needing to dig in and figure out um, the governing aspects of the ARRL because, you know, there wasn't a campaign here, okay? There wasn't a town hall meeting. I don't even know what it means when they get there. I imagine it's a volunteer effort. But there's no campaigning. There's no visits to local chapters or clubs that I'm aware of. And if it, if it exists, guys, I am not hearing about it. I'm on the air here every week. I'm here with this show every week. And I don't know what's happening. So, you know, maybe I don't know if that's a problem with them or with me. But, I, you know, here I am. I've got to vote for one of these two guys that I don't know and what they bring. I'm sure they're both great. Handsome, smart, great, you know, retired men, beautiful children and grandchildren. That's not my point. Point is, come around and talk, man. Let's take a take a little tour of the Midwest and tell us what you're going to do. If that is something that you're going to do. If if this position, the director of the Midwest Division, sounds important to me, it really does, what does it mean? Come and tell us. Come tell me what, the, oh, I'm sorry, see, I'm getting animated. Come tell me what that means. 
And then maybe I can go, ah, I, I really enjoyed that speech. And hey, I understand there's no money to get around. It's my understanding that people who are serving as officers and you know directors have to pay their own way to get to the headquarters, to get to the meetings. So I understand you can't do a tour, but maybe there's a Skype tour. Maybe you can Skype in and have a bunch of people, or maybe you stream, or I don't know. It's awfully weird to open mail, and it's like, hey, vote. Hey, vote. But I did. Good luck to whoever is running there. Uh, Rod and Cecil, good luck. I look forward to seeing what you do here in the Midwest and what that means. I hope I find out who won. The 100 Watts in a Wire Parks on the Air Report. Hello, this is Jeff. Kilo Bravo 3, Zulu Uniform Kilo. North American Continental Representative for the Worldwide Flora and Fauna and Amateur Radio Parks on the Air Initiative with your 100 Watts in a Wire Parks on the Air Report. In September, the state with the highest number of activations was Michigan, with 27 activations consisting of 1,382 CUSOs made by 27 operators. Other notable activation activities included November 4, Charlie Delta, with 58 activations. He also had the highest number of recorded CUSOs for the month with 2,562 contacts in his logbook. Kilo 8 Victor Oscar X-Ray had 23 activations, logging 558 QSOs, as did Whiskey 8 Tango Alpha Mike, who logged 462 QSOs. Interestingly, Whiskey 1 November Victor Tango logged 999 QSOs with just two activation sites, and Kilo Zero Alpha Tango Zulu logged 908 QSOs with 14 activations. <laughs> now those are some pretty busy days in the parks. Award activity given this month included Kilowatt Alpha 9 Juliet Alpha Charlie, who received two Rhino Activator Awards, and Kilowatt Zero Alpha Tango Zulu, who received one Rhino Activator Award. The following activators received Cheetah Awards. Kilowatt Bravo 3 Whiskey Alpha Victor, Kilowatt Zero Alpha Tango Zulu, and Kilowatt Alpha 9 Juliet Alpha Charlie. The following operators all received 100 Contact Late Shift Hunter Awards, Whiskey 8 Zulu Sierra Tango, Victor Echo 2 Golf Tango, Victor Echo 3 Zulu November, Whiskey 0 Zulu Alpha Papa, and Whiskey 4 Juliet Lima received Late Shift 150 Contact Hunter Awards. Receiving 500 Contact Hunter Awards were the following operators. Victor Echo 6 Uniform X-Ray, Alpha Echo 5 Bravo, Victor Echo 3 Zulu November, and Whiskey 4 Juliet Lima. Receiving 600 Contact Hunter Awards were Kilowatt Golf 5 Charlie India Kilo, Whiskey 8 Zulu Sierra Tango, Kilowatt 7 Zulu Oscar, 
and Victor Echo 2 Golf Tango receiving a 700 contact hunter award was Kilowatt Golf 8 Papa receiving an 800 contact hunter award was Kilowatt Oscar 4 Sierra Bravo receiving a worked all state award for the state of New Jersey as an activator was Kilowatt Zero Bravo Alpha Kilo and that means that he activated every available unit within the state of New Jersey. Receiving repeat offender Oasis Hunter awards were Whiskey 8 Zulu Sierra Tango and Whiskey 4 Juliet Lima. For more information about the initiative, please visit parksontheair.com. For 100 watts and a wire, 73 and 44 from Jeff. Kilo Bravo 3, Zulu Uniform Kilo. 100 watts and a wire, upgrades. I'd like to congratulate Billy, Kilo Delta 2, Juliet Romeo India. He's a new amateur extra. There's Brett, Kilo Echo 8, Delta Alpha Charlie. He, um, maybe he's a new general. I don't know. That information was not included. However, Mark, he's waiting on his call sign. He took the technician and the general. He's now an amateur general waiting on his call sign. If you have been studying for an upgrade for your amateur radio license, let us know how you're doing. Visit 100wattsandawire.com and click on the upgrades. After you test and you upgrade, let us know. We'll give you that virtual high five here on 100 Watts and a Wire. Now, we're moving to FT8 Facts. Jim is back, November 2, Alpha Delta Victor, to tell us a little bit more how FT8 is progressing. Hello, everybody. Again, this is Jim, N2ADV, 100 Watts, ID number 107. So if you recall a few weeks back, I had passed along an announcement regarding an update to the WSJTX software package, specifically 1.8 Release Candidate 2. So uh, for those of you who have not yet gone out to the WSJTX homepage um, and are running those uh, that package, I'd recommend going out and taking a look, and uh, especially if you're running Release Candidate 1 and are interested in modes like FT8, there have been some significant enhancements to the decoder that will be uh, well worth your your time. So, um, you know, just kind of passing that along again, um, things like multi-pass decoding and a couple of neat little enhancements for things like split operation and stuff went into release candidate too. So when you get the opportunity, take a, take a peek at it. Um, so since that time, I, uh, put out a request to get some feedback on what questions folks might have regarding the uh, the FT8 mode specifically, and I wanted to address a couple of those here. So the first one that comes up an awful lot that I wanted to address is um, you get somebody who downloads the WSJTX software, they connect it up to their computer, they've got rig control working, and they see a bunch of signals on the band, and they're not decoding anything. Um, so... Just worth noting is that FT8 especially, um, JT65 and JT9 as well, but FT8 definitely uh, are very time sync dependent. So if you're, for example, using a Windows computer and you're trying to use the native time synchronization in uh, Windows, it's not going to be anywhere near accurate enough to ensure that you're getting consistent decodes. You might get a couple, and it may seem like nothing is wrong, but um, what you may find an awful lot of times is you'll end up having to repeat yourself. Uh, if you're, for example, answering a CQ um, and you're sending your 
your call sign and grid back to that person. You may have to send it several times before they can decode it because the time synchronization is so far off. Um, you'll have a lot better luck with both sending and receiving uh, if your your time synchronization is, is close to them. So to put that in perspective, um, I start losing consistent decodes around 0.8 seconds off from the other station. Um, 0.6 to 0.8 seconds, uh, you start losing that that consistency in decoding. And then around 1.6 seconds off or so, um, decodes fall off pretty much entirely. You might get a couple of them, uh, you know, here and there. But, uh, you know, especially once you hit the two-second mark, you'll, you'll probably not really see much of anything. And you'll be surprised uh, how quickly the clock can, can get off on your computer. So there's several pieces of third-party software out there. There's uh, Dimension 4 is one of the more popular ones. There's Mindberg. There's uh, BKT TimeSync, which a number of us use, um, along with the GPS dongle that plugs into the USB port on a laptop. So uh, there, there's a, a bunch of them out there. And uh, the WSJTX user guide will point that out specifically. So the next question that comes up a lot is, um, how come so many people are, are running power? Um, so they're looking at signal reports and they're seeing their an awful lot of, of you know plus nineteen and plus twenty dB signal reports. So I'll kind of get to that in a roundabout way, but first a reminder about signal reports in these modes. So they are a, a report of the average signal to noise ratio from your station um, receiving the uh, the incoming transmission. So um, a lot of things go into that. So your local noise level, um, any noise in your receiver, your antenna, um, whether or not there is somebody running a, a cheap plasma TV down the, the road, you know, that may be interfering. So, you know, a lot of stuff contributing to that and it's not static. So second by second, those things can change. So your atmospheric noise may change. You may get a static crash. Um, you know, somebody may plug something in or unplug something and, uh, you know, cause some, some uh, alteration to your noise floor. So with JT65 and JT9, um, where you've got about 46 seconds worth of data, um, th- those things can be smoothed out a little bit just because of the sheer amount of data that you get. So with FT8, uh, you only get about 14 seconds worth of data uh, compared to 46 seconds worth of data. So if there's any change in your noise floor, and it happens quite a bit, um, you can either have an artificially high or an artificially low signal-to-noise report, um, and you know it, it may seem odd. So you know there was one recent example where somebody was showing at you know plus 5 dB above the noise floor and the next over they were showing as 49 dB above the noise floor and then after that they returned back to plus 5. So there was just an aberration in the data and uh, just because of the sheer amount of data points um, you're, you're seeing that a little bit more variability in that. Um, in addition to that, uh, people are using the waterfall as their indicator of how much power somebody's running. So um, to give you a real-world example, uh, I got a screenshot of somebody's waterfall with my signal on it uh, not too long ago with somebody with a scathing email telling me that I was running too much power and I was wrecking the band. Um, and I sent back a picture of my Elecraft KX3 uh, set on 5 watts into a loop antenna sitting outside my car in a parking lot uh, hooked up to a laptop. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the other person was quite surprised that I was coming in at about 20 dB over the noise level. Um, and quite frankly, the uh, the uh, propagation was really the, the biggest play there. Uh, I wish I could take the credit for the fact that my signal was going that far and being uh, heard so well at the other end, but uh, the ionosphere had an awful lot to do with it, and uh, signals changed probably about five minutes later, and uh, next thing you know, I was about uh, 18 or 19 dB below the noise floor. So... Um, 
Just a reminder about the waterfall in these programs, you can't use them to measure either signal strength or signal quality. Um, there's so many variables that go into what that waterfall displays on your screen that um, if you rely on it, you're, you're going to be probably banging your head against a desk in frustration because you're going to see an awful lot of things that may look like something happening at the other end or somebody you know, has a nuclear reactor tied to their, uh, their transceiver and they're putting out you know, a kilowatt. And realistically, they may be only putting out about five or six watts. Um, so you know, your mileage may vary on that, but... Uh, the waterfall itself is intended as a convenience tool to measure um, you know, or, or look for an empty spot to call CQ or to visually locate a signal so you can click on it uh, and be able to, to uh, jump on a, a CQ the next round and, uh, and call somebody back. So once you start deviating from that purpose, um, you start looking at the waterfall in a different way and um, you know, it's not meant for, for those other purposes. So especially things like signal quality and stuff like that, um, there is the longstanding myth about the relationship between power and signal quality. And uh, people automatically think that just because they see a, a strong signal or a signal that quote unquote looks wide on their waterfall, that the person automatically is running power. In a lot of cases, they're probably not. Um, and then the last question I get and that uh, somebody had sent to me was around uh, the the uh, robustness of FT8 compared to GT65 and GT9. So there have been some folks that have compared side by side and are quite surprised that uh, GT65 and GT9 still do so much better in weak signals. So um, if you look at the mode description in the manual, and the manual can be found in WSJTX by uh, opening WSJTX and making sure it's the active program and hitting F1, and a very comprehensive user manual will come up uh, with an awful lot of this information, including mode descriptions. So um, FT8 is, is a lot less sensitive, uh, and I say a lot, uh, just it's all relative, than uh, JT65 and JT9. So um, several episodes back, I had mentioned that you've got JT65 and JT9, which again, you've got about 46 seconds worth of transmit and, uh, and receive time, and then uh, the rest of that minute being decode time. So that gives you a lot more information to work with. So FT8 trades a little bit of that robustness for speed, and uh, instead of having to sit there for a minute and and uh, wait to see if you're decoded, uh, you know, 14 seconds and you're off and running. So um, they'll never be comparable when it comes to uh, functioning in a weak signal environment. JT65 and JT9 will always be a little bit uh, better in the, the really weak signals. And as we approach the end of the solar cycle, as we, we're still on the downward slope, um, you may find some folks migrating back and forth between JT65 and JT9 and FT8, which is uh, totally great. This is just another tool for the toolbox. So um, I hope that that helps a little bit with describing, you know, kind of how FT8 is compared to JT65 and JT9. If you set them side by side and try and compare them, FT8 is always going to come up short, and uh, that's kind of by design. So uh, I hope this has been helpful. And uh, I hope to see you on the bands. I know there's been some great openings lately. I know at least from the east coast of the U.S., uh, there have been several openings on 17 meters from here all the way to India and Indonesia. So um, even though we're, we're kind of on the downward slope and uh, people are talking about the band conditions, uh, there have been some pretty good openings for a lot of the weak signal modes. So I hope to see you on the, on the bands. And uh, if you work me, let me know. And uh, I'm sure we can exchange cards. So for 100 Watts in the Wire, this is Jim and 2 adv 73 Let's turn it back to Kilo Zero Sierra Tango Hotel for your final. Roger that. I want to invite everybody who listens to 100 Watts in a Wire to join us by first subscribing at the webpage, 100wattsinawire.com. Look for 100 Watts in a Wire. Click on that. You'll find the most recent version of the show. And at the bottom is an RSS feed. You click it, you're subscribed. Also, if you do social media, look for us on Facebook and Twitter 
A lot of great information being shared there. More news stories on Twitter, on Facebook. We have a really active group. A lot of questions go up, answers come back down. A lot of patient Elmers willing to give you options to your questions. Not just to say, you got to do it this way, this way, or this way, or it's wrong. Beat it, kid. It was on your test. It's okay not to know everything in the 100 Watts and a Wire Facebook group. With everything going on in the world, please take the time. Put your family first. Take care of yourself. And by all means, please try and stay above the noise. To join the 100 Watts and a Wire community, visit 100wattsandawire.com.